We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chineo Gwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined by my co-host, Nick Bellato. Take down the New York Giants football win over the Washington football team in week nine. Today, we're going to be breaking down the defensive side of the ball after reviewing the all 22 coaches film. And before we dive into that, I do want to ask you this, Nick. How is quarantine life going for you? I know things have returned to a little bit of a quarantine lifestyle right now for some of us in New- northern New Jersey as COVID spikes across the state. Yeah, things are kind of similar, I guess, just because the football season is still going on, thankfully. I guess you can say because I'm just in that routine of breaking down film, writing my articles, meeting deadlines for my articles, then doing my fantasy content, and then kind of trying to relax towards Friday before I kind of roll into it once again for the next week. And that's kind of the way football is. And I'm grateful that football is still going on as of right now. And we hope that that continues. But that's basically uh, all I've been up to other than, you know, lifting in the basement that I'm privileged to have downstairs and trying to go for runs when my knees allow me to. Yeah, well, you sound like an old man with statements like that, trying to go for runs when your knees allow you to. But at the risk of avoiding another one-star review, I won't talk about my excitement for Wisconsin's potential return to the football field with Graham Mertz against the Michigan Wolverines this weekend. Again, that was one and a half, two and a half seconds spent on Wisconsin football, maybe two and a half seconds too much for Kwame Zilla, who one-star reviewed us. But 
aside aside from that, quarantine life's been pretty good for me. I mean, like you said, it's a grind. It's the NFL season. This is how it always is. But this is what we love. And I think you made a great point. We're privileged to have this season continue to go on, even, you know, as things continue to get a little bit worse in the college football landscape. And, you know, there's obviously a massive divide when it comes to COVID, how some states are handling it, how some people are handling it in this country. But football's gone on, and that's given us a chance to evaluate the team that we love, the team that you guys love. So let's do exactly that. Let's start with the defensive side of the ball. So interesting game here. The Giants actually only had 54 snaps on the defensive side of the ball in this game, which is rare for them. They're usually on the field a lot longer, it seems like. But in this game, they had five turnovers, and that played a key role in limiting their defensive snaps. They had a punt punt return that uh, Washington fumbled that they recovered. They had the early Antonio Gibson fumble, three interceptions. So what did you make? What was your biggest takeaway from watching this team on all 22 versus what we saw on the broadcast? Still a lot of the similar things that Patrick Graham's been running for a while because they're working. And it's a lot of kind of dink and dunk, a lot of passes to the flat, a lot of quick game in order to allow the Giants defenders to rally. And they all rally so aggressively to the football. So it's a lot of keeping plays in front of you. It's a lot of cover three, three high, a little bit of quarter, quarter half, a little bit of inverted cover two and some man coverage in the in the right situations. But every time that happens, you when you do have some of the guys that get them out there, it is so, somewhat of a liability. But the team's just, the defensive line plays incredibly hard. The team was very, very opportunistic in this game. The interceptions were kind of, I don't want to say lucky by any means. I mean, the one where Alex Smith threw it right to Logan Ryan. The other one was an overthrow due to pressure. So that was just kind of a team type of interception right to Jabril Peppers. And then the first interception to Blake Martinez was a good play by Blake Martinez, who was playing top down on J.D. McKissick. And J.D. McKissick ends up tripping over someone at the line of scrimmage, falling backwards, allowing that interception to take place, which we're all grateful for. So it was an opportunistic defense. And from a coverage standpoint, from a play standpoint, from the relentless standpoint, it was a lot of what we've seen through the weeks. And it's the stuff that's kind of made us very proud to watch Patrick Graham coach this defense. I mean, I, I love what I see from a lot of these players we're about to go over. Yeah, it's awesome stuff because it's funny. I looked at this game in this specific, you know, all 22 of this game, and then just the overall system we've seen and what we've seen from Graham. I think some of the things you can point to that you really like are obvious. Like he does a really good job of well-timed blitzes, like the Jabril Peppers play. Obviously it resulted in a, in a uh, unnecessary roughness to continue the drive, but that can go either way. I think it was an excellent call right there by the Giants to blitz him off the edge, and we've seen multiple of those. And like you said, it's a lot of what we've seen, but really the kudos and the credit goes to Patrick Graham because this is not how it always looks. When you're a defense that shows a very similar look week after week with a lot of, like you said, cover three looks, a lot of quarter, quarter, half, a lot of just two high or three high safeties and zone specifically, does anyone remember the days of Perry Fuel, the Giants? Maybe my most hated coordinator in the history of my fanhood. Dan Schneier was not a fan of Perry Fuel, who did somehow win a Super Bowl one year, thanks in large part to his pass rush and to those three pass rushers playing out of their mind and Eli Manning putting the team on his back. But it can look that bad when you're playing a lot of strict zone and when you're playing a bend, don't break style. And I think zone and bend, don't break kind of go hand in hand and they're synonymous with each other in my mind. But it, there is a really, really low floor to this style of defense. And the Giants never seem to come anywhere close to that. I mean, we haven't, we saw one really bad game, I think, against the 49ers. But ultimately, in that game, 
I think it was a it was kind of a slew of events coming together. The Giants turned the ball over on downs at one point in their own territory. They turned the ball over via Daniel Jones in their own territory a couple times. Gave 49ers a lot of short fields. But like you mentioned on the review podcast, Nick, this is not a defense that gives up a lot of big plays. And ultimately, this is a defense that is able to make this style Ben don't break not look like the Perry Fuel style. It's able to make it look like the Patrick Graham style. And that's a potentially winning style of football. It's a very possible winning style of football. It's a style of football that I subscribe to for sure. And we talk about the Ben don't break. And on the play that the Giants broke was that 68-yard touchdown pass to Terry McLaurin. That was somewhat, I guess you could say, a blown coverage. It was also a poor throw from Alex Smith, but it was just a really good play after the catch from Terry McLaurin. They lined up in a three-by-one set to the field, and what happened was David Mayo was out of position. David Mayo was the boundary side linebacker. Alex Smith hikes the ball, and because he was reading his run keys and 77 pulled, and it looked like it was going to be a boundary run, Mayo bites up, leaving a huge void in the middle of the field for McLaurin, who was the number three receiver, to kind of just go right in between Logan Ryan and Mayo. And Alex Smith puts kind of a duck out there. It's not really a great throw, but it ends up being a great throw just because Isaac Yidem does a good job coming off his coverage and crashing down. But what Yidem doesn't do is knock the ball down, intercept the ball, or make the tackle. And just really good play by Terry McLaurin and unfortunate for the Giants to not make this tackle, which led to the 68-yard touchdown. But that was a blown coverage, something that we are not used to seeing with the Giants. And Dan and I talked about it last podcast, man. How crazy is that, that we don't talk about more blown coverages? It's something we're so used to as Giants fans. But before we continue, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire, with 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month. Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over three million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. All one word. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. All one word. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day every day. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. 
don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, at betonline.ag. That's a BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Yeah, and it's especially crazy when you factor in just the turnover they've had to undergo in the secondary as far as when it comes to, you know, they thought they maybe found something with Adrian Colbert at safety, then he got injured. As far as, you know, you lose DeAndre Baker, a guy you were counting on. You lose Sam Beal, a guy you were counting on. Corey Ballantyne doesn't ultimately evolve into that player you thought he would be. And when you consider all of these factors in the secondary, and then you first, and then you vis-a-vis it versus last season with James Betcher and the season before with James Betcher, where there were just constant breakdowns in coverage over and over. And it's not ultimately like the Giants fix what we thought was a major problem. Remember all last season and in all during draft season, the Big Blue Banter podcast was talking about how they needed this deep half safety, how we watched that Detroit game and saw them get burned on third and 17 because the deep half safety couldn't get there. And with the way that Patrick Graham has set this defense up, it takes a lot of stress off of who's ever playing the deep half. In this game, it was some Logan Ryan. It was some Julian Love. Ultimately, the goal was to get most of that uh, be, you know, most of have most of that be Xavier McKinney, who's injured, obviously. But I think that's another testament to what he's done based on the players he has. Remember, when you have Isaac Yidem playing 54 of 54 snaps, you have to adjust what you're going to do from a schematic standpoint. When you have injuries to Xavier McKinney, you have to adjust what you're going to do from a schematic standpoint. And I think this defense is going to evolve in a really interesting way next season when Xavier McKinney is fully healthy and when they ultimately upgrade that cornerback two position. Because I kid you not, cornerback two is one of the biggest needs on this roster in my mind and will be one of the biggest priorities. I think what we've seen from both Judge and from Gettleman, if he does return, or whoever comes in, I think it will be the same, is that they believe in the idea of the Patriots' style of defense, which is pass coverage over pass rush. They want to manufacture pass rushes. They want to use multiple different guys at that second level on the edge. But one thing you can't find multiple different guys for is that cornerback two position. And I think that it could be really cool to watch this defense evolve in 2021 and see the different types of coverages and the different types of style they use when they have more confidence in both the deep half safety role and the cornerback two role. Yeah, they could really get creative and also just kind of simplify things at the same time with man coverage and things along those lines. In order to run man coverage, you're going to need the horses to do so. And right now, the Giants don't have that at the cornerback position. Ryan Lewis, who's now on the IR, that he's not it. Isaac Yadam definitely isn't it in terms of man coverage either. I think there was a play where the Giants were running man on a third down and it was a horizontal cross and Yadam was burnt by like five yards. It's just not necessarily his game. He doesn't have the lateral quickness for those types of plays. And we saw that against the Pittsburgh Steelers in week one, which we always reference back to. I also think in this game, the, the linebacker, that second linebacker spot next to Blake Martinez you got Devontae Downs playing 29 snaps. You got David Mayo playing six snaps, and there was a reason he only played six snaps. And that touchdown, as I referenced before, was a direct result of David Mayo not getting to his depth and being fooled by a pulling, I think it was an interior offensive lineman or center, trying to read those run keys and get aggressive against the run, but it totally burnt him. And there was another play where I believe it was Devontae Downs who was in coverage who bit on something similar, leaving a huge void for Logan Thomas who was coming up a seam, and it would have been like a 25-yard gain on the second, I think it was the second play, of offense. So it was their basically their opening drive because their first play of offense was a turnover by Antonio Gibson. But you could see Devontae Downs bite up. Logan Thomas comes open and it looks like it's going to be a huge shot play for Washington. Luckily, the defensive line bailed him out and Dalvin Tomlinson batted the ball down, something that him and Dexter Lawrence have done very, very well this season. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think, like you mentioned, I mean, there are limitations for Patrick Graham and for the Giants as a defense as a whole with what they have in personnel. But I think the key thing here is how well they've done to adjust around those limitations for sure this season. So let's talk about some of the other players in this defense. And I want to stick a little bit on the secondary. Ultimately, I think he's still young. He's played through injuries, so I'm not ready to make any kind of declaration on him. But I feel like I haven't exactly seen what I had hoped for, at least, out of Darnay Holmes in his first season with the New York Giants. I really thought this was a guy who was going to exact, like hit the ground running. He played 47 snaps here as the slot, allowed 11 receptions on 12 targets for 83 yards. Again, this is nothing crazy. Most of that was you know, underneath stuff that we talked about that the Giants were having trouble with and maybe that the Giants are giving defenses. But I felt like I'd see a little bit more plays on the ball from Darnay Holmes at, at this point, maybe a couple big plays. He was definitely prone for doing that. And just some matchups where he would dominate. This, I don't think, was one of them. It wasn't. And again, Pro Football Focus has that reference where he let up 11 out of 12. But like you said, a lot of those were just underneath dink and dunks where he came downhill and made it an aggressive tackle. Right. So I'm not I'm not out when I know you're not insinuating that you're out on him by any stretch of the imagination either. I'm not necessarily even trying to poo-poo him, but there were times when contested catch situations. I think there was one against Logan Thomas where it wasn't necessarily great. And then you see Jabril Peppers in a similar situation and he excels there. Yeah. But I tried to look at Darnay Holmes and remember last year. What was our big concern last year outside yep. of the deep single high safety? It was we need to figure out how to get a good slot defender. And I How's think they Darnay stop Holmes, the slot vert. And I think you're yeah. right about that. That's a great point. And again, this is a totally different system. This system is easier to stop yes. that because that apex defender, that slot defender in the zone, they're either flying out to the to the flat or they're dropping towards the hash. It depends on exactly what Patrick Graham is doing. A lot of times they blitz too, which is something I love that Patrick Graham does. He did it several times in this game. Washington tried to get cute and line a wide receiver up on the hash tight to the tackle. So what did they do? They brought Isaac Yitam, put him in press man ostensibly, and then just blitzed him right off. And that ended up being that sack that Yitam and Dalvin Tomlinson got. So I love the fact they bring that five-man pressure package from so many different angles. And it's usually either Jabril Peppers, Darnay Holmes, or if it is somebody tight, the number one receiver is tight, they'll bring Isaac Yidem like they did on that play. But I, I really think Darnay Holmes has been such an upgrade over Grant Haley, and I'm sure you agree too. Oh, yeah, he's definitely been an upgrade over Grant Haley. There's no doubt about it. And I think, like you said, it should be factored in that it's much easier to defend the slot in this system than it was last year based on the fact that they're playing a lot of those cover three looks and those high safety looks. But having said that, you are right. I mean, the big plays against the slot receivers aren't happening as often with Darnay Holmes versus obviously a, a Grant Haley, and that's a massive upgrade. I just feel like I was expecting at this point a few more plays on the ball, a few more pass breakups, and maybe even some big plays from Holmes because I think he has that upside to him. And, and we'll see how that goes as it moves forward, but clearly he has a big role on this defense. He played almost every snap in this game, so definitely something to monitor as we go forward. I would like to see what this defense looks like with Xavier McKinney in terms of how this does impact Darnay Holmes. Now, I think Darnay Holmes is still good enough to play in this defense with McKinney, and I think a lot of creative things are going to happen with McKinney, but that's possibly going to change how Holmes is utilized or at least how many snaps that he does get. I don't necessarily want to say it changes how he's utilized. I think he's kind of going to be this player. There were a couple times where Patrick Graham gets really creative and he drops that apex defender to the safety. And he plays too high middle of the field open safety with 
the apex defenders and then the people who you thought were safeties drop to either the hash or one of them will buzz down to the flat or buzz i should say buzz to the hash and the other one will drop to the flat there's a lot of kind of creative things that patrick ram does with those coverages and they do trust arnie holmes in a lot of those situations but with mckinney i don't i don't know if holmes is going to play 47 snaps in a 54 total snap kind of game Honestly, with how little man they're playing on the outside, just with how with the defensive style and system that they're playing, I'd be curious if they could move Holmes to the outside in this type of system. Do you think that this would kind of hide some of the deficiencies we see there from you know from the arm from the arm length standpoint, from the size standpoint? They haven't been playing a lot of press man or anything right. like that. It's a lot of they're they're off a little bit. You know, they're five to seven yards off, back towards the sidelines, funnel everything inside, all the stuff that we kind of talk about, just fundamental cover three type of technique. And I think Holmes could could do well in those situations. It's going to be a problem, though, if he's going up against, just like we said earlier in the offseason, going up against some of these bigger receivers, let alone DK Metcalf, somebody they have to face later on in the season. Yeah. And they just run a vertical and it's to that deep third that Darnay Holmes is in. And it's just them streaking down the field. Now I could see that posing problems with the short arms. I can see that posing problems with the fact that the dude is hardly five ten. It's, it's something that I don't necessarily feel confident in because we haven't seen it yet. And we know the giants have put a precedent on that second cornerback position. They've gotten creative with it. They used Ryan Lewis, picked him up off of Washington's practice squad, did a solid job. Now he's hurt move Isaac Yadam back in there, try to protect him, try not to put too much on his plate. I think if they felt comfortable enough with Holmes, they would have already done that. But at the same time, he's a rookie, truncated offseason. So maybe they're waiting for him to develop, get more comfortable, and then they'll put him there. But now if they get desperate and Isaac Yadam continues to struggle, then it's plausible. Maybe they'll try it out if McKinney's back and they can kind of help patch up the slot and make sure that that's not going to be a liability. So I, maybe there is a path to where he may find himself there but uh it's not a certainty yeah interesting we'll have to see what happens there obviously item is a big factor at least in my mind for why they gave up that massive play to terry mclaurin um how about the defensive line let's talk a little defensive line because i think as we watch the all 22 it's so funny like the thing it's so easy i would say from somebody who's learning to watch this game in a different way than I ever watched it two or three years ago before I started doing this podcast, before I started watching the Giants on All-22. I used to just kind of watch the broadcast, tape the game, rewatch the game from that angle. But I think from this new way that I watch the game, this new way that I analyze and break it down, the thing you notice most when you're on the defense, when you're watching the defense, is the defensive line because you get that first angle, which is the All-22, but then you also get that second angle, that end zone angle, where you can really see exactly what's happening in the trenches. And as you look at that angle game after game, you come away so impressed, I think, with just what these three guys can do. Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson. This might have not been the best game for all three. Dalvin Tomlinson specifically didn't flash as much. But Leonard Williams, man, I think he's the first guy I would like to talk about. And then Dexter Lawrence as well. Because So this game was 38 of 54 snaps for Leonard Williams. Still a big rotation. Dexter Lawrence played 25 of the 54 snaps. And then Dalvin played 29. But... With that in mind, I think Leonard Williams at this point is proving himself. At least, it's hard to say because, you know, he's in that contract season. But at this point in time, I think the Giants are ultimately are in a position where they have to re-sign him because he's making too much of an impact on the defensive side of the ball. He's just so versatile. You can do so many different things with Leonard Williams, and that fits in so well with what Patrick Graham does. Like Leonard Williams is the ideal defensive lineman for Patrick Graham's system. 
we should probably bring up how Leonard Williams saved a touchdown. Terry McLaurin ran a deep post route against James Bradbury. James Bradbury had outside leverage trying to funnel him inside towards the deep safety was Logan Ryan, but Logan Ryan was distracted by a Logan Thomas deep out route towards the other side of the field. And if it wasn't for Leonard Williams splitting the double team and sacking Alex Smith, that would have been a bang, bang, easy touchdown to Terry McLaurin. But Williams prevented that. That saved four points for the New York Giants because they ended up kicking a field goal on that drive. Now, I think we can kind of agree that the impact that Leonard Williams has had on this defense has definitely led to what this defense has been able to do and how they're surprising to us. Like, It's between James Bradbury, Blake Martinez, Leonard Williams on who the most valuable player on this defense is. I think that would be a good debate, an interesting debate, maybe a poll that one of us should put up on Twitter because Leonard Williams and what he's doing is it's it's incredible, man. Yeah, that is interesting. I think the case can be honestly made for any of the three, Leonard Williams, James Bradbury, or Blake Martinez, as far as most valuable goes. If any of the three were taken off the field, what, you know, how would who how would this defense be impacted? My money, and let's dive into this right now. I'm curious your take on this. My money actually would be on Blake Martinez, and that's based on kind of the rest of the roster. I think if you pulled Leonard Williams from this defense, it would obviously take a massive step back. On any of the three were pulled from this defense, it would take a massive step back. But I think they could live a little bit with Austin Johnson and B.J. Hill taking those reps. And I think if you took away James Bradbury, just based on the system and the fact that they're running so much cover three and so much zone, it would look worse, but it would be not as egregious as if you took Blake Martinez out of this defense right now. So let's hope that he stays healthy because this defense cannot afford to lose Blake Martinez. I mean, that I, ultimately, I think they'd have to play David. I guess David Mayo would take over in his role, which is just as or Devontae Downs, I guess. I, I don't even know. And then then Mayo would take Downs' role in this game. For example, Downs played 29 snaps, which is 29 too many for me. And Mayo played six snaps, which is like 26 too many. I, I, I mean, David <laughs> Mayo, I don't know, combine all the snaps he's played this season. So I think ultimately my money would be on Blake Martinez. I think he's the most irreplaceable player on this defense, given the depth chart behind them. I think given the depth chart behind him, I think there's that's a very, very solid point. It's it's kind of funny, man, because we're very, very negative about Devontae Downs, rightfully so. And I'm not going to lie. I'd rather see Devontae Downs on the field than David Mayo. Yes, he's somehow better than David Mayo. David Mayo is not the same. Like I, le- I, I said I, this about David Mayo last year. I guess you're right. It's not the same because he's playing through the injury, yada, yada. But this guy is just not an NFL linebacker. He doesn't have it. I didn't mind. Like I felt like I was higher than the consensus on David Mayo uh, from last year's tape. I feel like a lot of people were really, really low on him. And I felt like there were times where he was, where he was solid and he was, uh, he was a player that you want to improve on, but he's a player you can get by with. But this season, and he hasn't played that many snaps, but when he's out there, he's just making mistakes. And like I said, man, that Terry McLaurin touchdown, that was David Mayo's fault. Now, Isaac Yadam should have knocked the pass down. Isaac Yadam should have made a play on the ball, and he should have tackled Terry McLaurin, and he did not. And that's on Terry McLaurin. It was a great play on Terry McLaurin to kind of break away from those three defenders. But David Mayo is biting up so far because he's reading his run key, and he's getting totally fooled by the fact that Alex Smith's throwing a pass right behind him. He should have dropped to his depth, and it would have helped eliminate the throwing window who Terry McLaurin that play never happens but he was burnt and then we barely saw him on the field after that yeah you're right and I mean hopefully they won't see much of him but I that would be why my money would be on Martinez I think I think it's fair and uh, you know what I'm probably gonna put that up tomorrow after the podcast drops everyone everyone go vote on it yeah I'm curious what your thoughts are in general for Martinez in this game I thought he was once again just excellent like he continues to 
exceed any expectations I could have had for him when they signed him this offseason. Absolutely. He's all over the field, dude. He's he's great on wide zone. He's great on stretch zone. He's great on inside zone. He's great on any kind of power gap. He, if he needs to fill, he fills. If he needs to take out that lead blocker, he takes him out aggressively. He, when he does scrape over the top and fill, he keeps it very very tight, very very narrow. Doesn't allow the running back to have a lot of room, any kind of wiggle room. And he's he plays that count ma- cat and mouse game with running backs when the Giants do go up against inside zone type of teams where. If the Giants do two gap, they allow Blake Martinez to kind of see ball, get ball, and it puts running backs into positions where they don't really have anywhere to go because Blake Martinez is so quick to react and so instinctive with how he reacts to seeing run blocks develop and how he reacts to seeing the running backs path. There's just yeah. not enough not enough love you can really kind of heap onto this guy right now. He's been an excellent signing by Dave Gunn. And he's making so many plays in coverage now, too, with the interception, with the pass breakup individually in this game, and that's been a consistent factor. I mean, it's at the point where it's not just what you see on film, because that leads you to believe he definitely has a case, but also what he's doing from a box score standpoint, he really could be in the running for a first or second team all pro this season. I don't think that's a stretch to say right now. Neither do I. I mean, there's a lot of good linebackers in this league, and I think Blake Martinez is kind of slept on by people who aren't in New York about how good and how impactful he's been. And I think he's in a great system that helps showcase him. I think he's very, very smart in coverage. I think I brought this up a couple podcasts ago that people view him as somebody who's just a liability in coverage. I don't think that's fair, especially in this system. That's not necessarily how it is. He plays top down, and he's been pretty solid at doing so. Yeah, no doubt. All right, who else do you want to talk about from this defense, or what other concepts or plays do you want to discuss? I think uh, we have to bring up these edge guys, okay? Kyler Fackrell, Jabal Sheard, Trent Harris. Now, there were a couple plays, and I want to get your take on this, Dan, where I was watching, and Jabal Sheard doesn't have any burst. He's not going to bend the edge. It's not him. But there were a couple plays where, as a backside pursuit defender, he has very, very good vision kind of sees through the line of scrimmage, flows to where the ball carrier is going, and he's kind of very powerful with his hands. And I I saw these things, and obviously this isn't a guy you want to see play 24 snaps on your defense, but he's he's got some power to him, and he puts himself into positions in the run game to make make some good tackles, man. Yeah, you're not wrong. I think that's part of why they brought him in. They like what he can do from the edge setting standpoint and what he can do in this system. Because remember, there are times in this system where these edge guys, would you want to call them? I mean, it depends what, what look Patrick Graham's showing. They're kind of like, they're somewhat, they're not traditional edges by any means, but there's sometimes they're dropping in coverage or sometimes they're asked to do different things on pass plays, let alone on run plays. And so I think he's okay in that regard. It's fine, like you said, but Ultimately, like, I don't know if you want to see 24 snaps of him. I definitely don't think you want to see 47 snaps from Fackrell, who we like to some degree. Like, we like Fackrell a lot in the run game. Again, he's a really excellent fit systematically. Like, he does the things that Patrick Graham wants him to do, and he's aware of a lot of plays, especially in the run game. He might be one of the most aware edges I've seen for the Giants or any team in the run game. But these guys just don't have the juice in one-on-ones, and you see it time after time after time on these third down passing situations. Uh, they, there's no juice whatsoever. It's glass half empty. Only it's like a fourth empty. If we're going to be, <laughs> and real. we were it's hoping, just... we were hoping we'd see more of like the cam Brown and Carter Coughlin's of the world. But then we get a game like this where cam Brown has two snaps and obviously both are passing downs and Carter Coughlin has four snaps. Three of them are passing downs or I'm sorry, four of them were passing down. So they bring him in for obvious passing downs, but 
at one point, I wonder what they're, what's going on with their development or if the Giants just don't feel like they can provide what the Sheards of the, or the Fackrells of this world can, can give them. But they need to do something about this edge. It's obviously not all their fault. They'll hopefully get O'Shane Zimenez back at some point, and he can contribute there potentially. They lost Carter, but this is what happens. You know, they went into the season, and they didn't draft an edge of any consequence, and they signed one edge, basically, in Fackrell. But, I mean, he's an edge in my opinion in the in the loosest of terms like he's an edge in this specific defense he's okay for that role and like you said he's like i said he's aware situation especially in the run game but he just doesn't have the ability to win one-on-one a lot no no not a lot of these edge guys do and that's why the tack mckinley name is somewhat interesting hopefully that it is heads on straight we also had that tj brunson sighting he got a nice two snaps which yeah. was uh, interesting. So I was like, oh, number 35 is out there. That's got to be TJ Brunson. One play I wanted to bring up, and it was the game ceiling interception by Logan Ryan, second and six, 123 left in the fourth quarter. This is something I've seen from Patrick Graham a couple times on film. Now they have the three down linemen. They have the two roving second level defenders. Now, when you look at this, you see Logan Ryan as it looks like single high safety. Then you have Julian Love, who's kind of down, looking like he could be a robber or a buzz defender to the boundary. But after the snap, Logan Ryan drops down into kind of a robber position. And James Bradbury from the far side, the field side, and Julian Love drop to a middle of the field open type of look. And I like this, and I've seen this a couple different times, and this totally fooled Alex Smith on this play. He didn't even see Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan just drops and sits, and Alex Smith delivers a ball to Terry McLaurin. It looks like a deep dig about 20 yards downfield, and throws it directly to Logan Ryan. It's like he didn't even account for him. He must have thought that he rotated as a safety. I think it's a nice little disguised look, kind of of a cover two, inverted cover two type of look, where uh, where the Giants were able to kind of secure this win off of a miscalculation because Logan Ryan was disguised. Yeah, it was a really good example of coaching in my mind. And you saw Joe Judge break this down in the Judge Report. It's something that he said Patrick Graham came to him right before the game or maybe on, I think he said the Saturday before the game and basically said, I want to use this look if it presents itself and if we can pick a spot for it. And that's what great coaches do. They pick a spot for something like this where you can completely disguise a defense and disguise a defender to the point where even a veteran quarterback back like Alex Smith, and I get it, he didn't take many practice reps as the one. He hasn't played a lot of football in a while. But he's had plenty of experience reading defenses post-snap and processing defenses post-snap. And even he was fooled here and just threw it. Literally, it looks right. Like, it looks like it's thrown right to Logan Ryan. But that's because they've disguised it so well that he didn't know Ryan was going to be there exactly where he was going to be on the ball. And if you watch that on the All-22 angle, Ryan doesn't even really need to make any kind of crazy athletic play. He almost can kind of glide into the interception that like falls right into him. So I just think that's such a good example of the intricacies and the little coaching nuggets that you find when you watch this team and when you watch a Patrick Graham defense. There's a lot of little intricacies like that, like these middle hook defenders. Every time they kind of drop to their depth, they always turn to look at the the strong side with there's a three by one set you'll see them drop they'll turn their body to that side and then whatever defender kind of comes into their zone they'll kind of play man coverage through it if it's kind of like a match zone match type defense and if it's a spot drop they just locate their eyes on it and flow with it kind of see through the route look at alex smith read alex smith's eyes and then react to that 
And on this play, on that play that I was referring to, just to since we brought him up before, this is a, obviously a really, really important play. Like Joe Judge said on the on the Judge report, Carter Coughlin's in on this snap, so that there's a vote of confidence there for that. Yeah, no doubt, it's the key play of the game. Um, and you know, maybe his role will continue to grow. We'll have to see what happens there. But ultimately, you gotta like overall exactly what you're seeing from this defense. I mean, again, they're gonna give up some of the underneath stuff. They're gonna give up some plays on third downs because they don't have a true edge who can win one-on-ones and kind of ruin a play or disrupt the play. But the progression you're seeing from a lot of these players, I mean, Peppers is a guy who is now making plays on the football, breaking really nicely on pass plays and used as a blitzer, used around the line of scrimmage. He's somebody who's coming into his own, despite not even being in the role they probably originally projected for him when they thought McKinney would be healthy. No, yeah, and Jabril has really, really kind of assimilated to this defense, and I think he's playing the best football that he's played probably in his career, and again, I haven't grinded his film from his days with the Cleveland Browns, but as far as the New York Giants, where I've watched every one of his snaps, the last couple games, and yeah, I know he had the mistake against Boston Scott with Philadelphia, but the last couple games, man, he's been playing at a very, very high level. He definitely has. I like Jabril Peppers a lot. I'm in the boat of, I'm leaning strongly towards wanting the Giants to re-sign him, and give him a second contract as at least as it stands right now. I want to see him grow in this defense. I want to see him grow alongside Xavier McKinney. And ultimately I think he was a big piece that came over in that trade with Odell Beckham. Yeah, for sure. Hey, there's another play. I kind of want to uh, go over. It's a third and eight in the first quarter with eight fifty two left. I don't know if you saw this, but this was another oh, kind yeah, of with Martinez. Yeah. It's an exotic stunt that this is actually TJ Brunson's in on this play that is dialed up by, Patrick Graham and so they have TJ Brunson and Blake Martinez TJ Brunson's over top of the guard so he's basically in a three tech just off two point stance the line of scrimmage as is Blake Martinez directly over the center basically a nose tackle only a two point stance off the line of scrimmage and then they have a defensive lineman in the three tech to the other side so what happens on this play and I love this because you have two wide rushers as well which is Cam Brown and Carter Coughlin so you know they practiced this specific play several times, and they were going to employ this play in big situations in the game. Third and eight, pretty big situation for a way to kind of bring pressure with only five guys. What they do is Dalvin Thomas and TJ Brunson both crash in on the outside shoulders of the center. So they each crash into a shoulder of the center, which sucks the guards up. And then Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown on the outside loop outside to kind of kind of force the tackles wide and then on the back side of that you have logan ryan blitzing which is picked up by antonio gibson now ideally on this play you want blake martinez to stay tight and just get right around that guard and he would have had a free shot at kyle allen on this play but sadly the guard made an excellent play came off of the block of dalvin tomlinson and picked up blake martinez but if he didn't which was what was really scripted up it was a play for blake martinez it would have been a sack, which would have been awesome. Instead, it's just Kyle Allen rolling out away from pressure and then throwing an incomplete pass thanks to really, really tight coverage by Jabril Peppers. Yeah, but they took the playoff script anyway, and I think you're right. It's a good example of ways to generate pressure when you don't have the guys who can win one-on-one traditionally on the edge. Yeah, and even on this play, it's a delayed blitz, and what they do is they, they send Carter Coughlin initially, and he backs off. And what happens there when Carter Coughlin ends up backing off, he opens up the tackle, gets him wide like we were talking about, and then he drops to kind of take away any sort of drag routes or anything like that. And he's just kind of spying Kyle Allen and seeing if he's going to kind of run out or try to rush and pick up the first down with his legs. But what that does is that 
puts that tackle in a position to where he's not going to go out and block Logan Ryan. And he's not going to help out on TJ Brunson, which it's TJ Brunson, but still, he's not going to help that guard out. So Logan Ryan's isolated on Antonio Gibson and Blake Martinez, which you would hope on the other side, is going to kind of come away from a double team that would be on Dalvin Tomlinson. That did not happen, but it's still forced an incompletion. Like you said, man, you got to generate pressure in creative ways. And Patrick Graham really finds ways to do that. No doubt about it. All right, Nick, anything else on the defense side of the ball you wanted to touch on? Now, I think that's good, man. Great pursuit by these defenders. I love watching them, and let's just hope they can put a really good game together against Carson Wentz and this Philadelphia Eagles team. Yeah, it should be interesting to see if they can hold up with the Eagles and get a W. You knew watching that first game, either on the All-22, the broadcast, every fan's pretty much in agreement. They should have won that game. They blew it. Let's see if they can hold on this time, grab an early lead, and get the Giants on a two-game winning streak, something they haven't been on all season. Um, that's it for the Big Blue Banter podcast for this week. Um, stay tuned. We're probably going to try to dial up something else. Maybe if not later this week, next week, as far as Q and a goes with the listeners, we'll probably do another one of those live Q and A's as always. If you do enjoy the show, please rate review and subscribe to the show on iTunes. That'll help us grow the show and make sure if you are listening on iTunes, download every podcast. Don't just hit the listen button. Please hit the download button. That makes a massive difference for us as well. You can follow us on Instagram at NY Big Blue Banter. Some really good stuff going on there as well. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon.